0: To the Studio Experience Podcast. It's a bonus episode this time around, and I've always got my good friend, almost always at least, <laughs> I've got my good friend Joe joining. Joe, welcome.
1: Welcome. I'm almost always your good friend.
0: Too. <laughs> right. <Just kidding. laughs> Sometimes you say something that sets me off, and we have to cool off a few days. <laughs> we have to stop, edit the podcast, right?
1: At each other for a little bit, and come yep. back. Uh, Today might be one of those. Uh, We've got something fun to talk about today, don't we?
0: Yeah, we don't do a ton of episodes that surround more kind of like specific tools that we use. We kind of throw those in on occasion here and there, but we're devoting this bonus episode to just some of our, a couple of our favorite plugins, maybe some lesser known ones or, and Joe, I'm not sure what all you're going to be talking about, but. I'm not sure yet either. I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm throwing in an oldie but a goodie, uh, that I think people might not always think about for mastering at least, at least in the way that I use it. So um yeah, it should be fun. Just going under the hood of our process and thoughts on a couple specific tools. So that's the, the yeah. overarching idea today.
1: Awesome. You want to give it a start?
0: Yeah, sure. Trade so, back and forth. Yeah. For me, I've got a couple in mind. So I figure we could at least do two back and forth, one each at a time. And maybe Perfect. more will come up, but that feels good to me.
1: Go for it. What's your okay. first one?
0: Cool. So I guess we'll start with a pretty well-known one. It's an oldie, but a goodie. But one of my favorite tools, and I'm mastering. I assume most of you know that. But if you're fairly new to the show or just weren't aware, I'm a full-time mastering engineer. So that's kind of the context that all this is coming from. But uh, for me... One of my favorite tools to really add some juice to a track is the Ampex ATR-102. The idea and the reason that I like it is it's it's just, like I said, I go to it for really injecting kind of some juice, some beef into a track. And honestly, there's a lot of different ways that you could use this plugin. I kind of have a pretty particular sound that I'm looking for if I'm gonna put it on, like what I've found to be the right combination of what it adds to a track if I'm looking for that thing. So that's really the context that I'm using it in, which is very much like a I want to thicken things up and just make it feel a little bit more I don't know. It it adds energy in a cool way. It adds kind of a little bit of excitement. And I will tweak parameters To match the mix for what it actually needs pretty much every time, but it's usually only a couple things that are fairly minor. But the reason I love it so much is it really just kind of adds a new excitement and dimension to a mix where if the mix is a little bit, feels a little stale, maybe that can help add some beef and some excitement, like I've been saying. So that's a big reason why I like it. And I can go into some details of how I like to use it. But Joe, are you much of a fan of this plugin? Do you use it very often? Or have you in the past? I did. And I have somewhat gotten away from it. hmm A little
1: bit. I've actually been really... And this is not the plugin I'm going to talk about, but I've actually really been into the IK Multimedia tape stuff. Mm, cool. Yeah. I really don't find a use for it unless it's like something really, really weird with like the 7.5 IPS. Oh yeah, yeah. That's kinda cool. But there are a few other ones out recently that have that. And I honestly in the last like fifty mixes I haven't used a single UA plugin. So Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Trying to keep away from the processing of their stuff. Yeah. For undisclosed reasons.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned the seven and a half IPS thing. That reminds me that the uh ATR one oh two has that function. I believe I'm almost certain it does. I think it's seven and a half, 15 and 30. yep. And something I remember from many years back when I was still taking on mixes that if you put it on 7.5 and, and you hit the sync button that can be a really cool lo-fi effect yes. on like guitars or something like that. You gotta hit the sync button. Yep. Yeah so there's like different buttons on this plugin that sort of make it interact with the program material pretty significantly differently. The sync I think is the most noticeable one where if you just hit repro, I don't remember the specifics of what's going on under the hood, but it's like you may only be getting certain circuitry, obviously modeled circuitry of the hardware versus sync. I think is like the full thing you're getting the actual tape, the transformers, the EQ bump, the the full gamut of what you could get out of that tape machine. So that's going to be the most colored and obviously different when you have it in and when you bypass it. So there's a lot of, even in just those different buttons, there's a lot of function changes that you can get out of this plugin from sync repro. There are four. What's the other one. One is just bypass. Yeah. I can't remember the last one. Obviously I know I how to use know. it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Yeah. So the main things I have really found, uh, and for those that are maybe less familiar or wanting to try this out to maybe see if it works for you, I would recommend trying all the different tape formulas. I think there are four options. You get actually slightly different options depending on if you're at a certain IPS or maybe a, a certain calibration level. I don't remember what changes those tape options, but you will get slightly different versions depending on other settings that you have. But playing with different IPS speeds, different tape formulas, different calibration levels, then the other thing that I find really interesting, especially if you really do want to massage a track in a different way than the way it came in, is you can bump and move around the high-frequency and low-frequency EQ knobs, which they're kind of in the upper left section of the plugin. But I can tweak those to fine-tune... The strength of how much the plugin is adding to the tone and the shape, the overall tonal shape and curve of the track. Cause default settings are probably gonna push it way further than I want it to go. But I can use those to rein it in. And like I was saying too, all those other settings can really tweak, you know, the final results that you get. So play around with those, play around with the sync button, and you may find that you can really spice something up and give it a much give it a lot more character or you can use it in a more light way to just get a little bit of tape type saturation without affecting things too drastically. So some to check out if you haven't, it's a favorite of mine when a track needs something extra. So that's all I've got for that one.
1: Very nice. Very nice. It's a classic, classic plugin that's been out forever.
0: Yeah. So what about you, Joe? What's one of your favorites lately? One. So,
1: so like when I mix, I am not a fan of like, oh, I'm going to use an SSL EQ on this. I'm going to use a whatever random mass EQ on this. Mm -hmm. I like staying very, very consistent across the board. So I like to cut with Pro Q3, which everybody loves to use and know, so I'm not going to talk about that one. Mm -hmm. But in the last, like, I would have to say, like massively handful amount of mixes, I've only used two EQs. One of them being Pro Q3, and the other one being... And I have been very, very not, I've been very disappointed in every single channel strip plugin that has been made, mm. except for the kit BBN105V2, which okay. is the model they modeled the Blackbird Neve console, the E only the EQ off okay. the black, the EQ and the input side of things. And I've used UAD Neve stuff and I've, Used everybody else that makes Neve plugins and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they're always a pain in the butt to use, like just from a UI perspective, too. This one is so easy to use. It's so easy to use and it sounds ridiculous. Nice. Like it's the perfect EQ for boosting. The top end, the smooth, the bottom end's perfect. Um, everything about it is just extremely easy to use and you can push the input. You can switch it between mic and line mode. I don't know. It's just one of those that I heard a lot about I purchased it and I started using it and then I just kept using it. Yeah. And I don't ever think that I need to go to anything else. And I'm doing stuff from pop country to indie folk to working on an orchestral track right now. Mm. Uh and I'm using nice. it. Nice. That's It works cool. on everything and I don't have to think about it. It doesn't take up a lot of CPU even with oversampling. Yeah, the kit plugins BBN105 which I don't know my neve numbers but it's like 3310 something yeah. modeled <laughs> off the blackbird neve console.
0: Nice. And it's a channel strip, right? It's just an EQ. Oh, okay. It's a you. channel strip EQ,
1: but it's, it's only it. an EQ. So no compressor, no it's got filters.
0: It has uh-huh. the input
1: section, but uh, so no, you can like drive gate or want. expander or compressor Nothing. or anything like that. Nope, yeah. I can't stand <laughs> the only one that I like is the the metric halo channel strip that has all that shit in it.
0: Oh yeah. That's like super old school, isn't it? Yep. Super old school.
1: It still works. It's great. It's amazing. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, for EQ, it's the kit, uh, Neve version nice. two. There was a version one and I don't know what they changed, but yeah. version two is the one to go with. It's cheap. It's easy. It sounds amazing. And yeah, it's like anytime I go for an EQ, that's what I go for when I need to boost and it always works. I haven't found myself going to anything else other than Pro-Q. Well,
0: I imagine that's probably, I mean, just knowing what it's based on, that's got to be a fairly broad stroke thing. So I imagine you get kind of like bigger, broad strokes with that. Yeah,
1: it's got some high-Q stuff, too, Yeah, on there. Sure. But yeah, I'm doing notching and stuff with Q3, maybe before or after. Right, yeah. Or multiple times, or tilt-shifting with Q3, and then mm-hmm. anything additive is, is this Neve from Kit nice yeah very cool yeah that's all i got on that one sweet that's like that's been like my go-to eq cool and it just maintains consistency one eq throughout the mix i think is great provide the sonic glue especially in the digital world where we don't have Mm -hmm. a sonic glue if you're completely in the box right so anyway what's your next one
0: yeah so the other one i came up with that i think It seems like a lot of people aren't super familiar with this one still. It's relatively new, but it's been out probably a couple years at this point. But it is the Unisum Mastering Compressor that is by Tone Projects. That's the company name, Tone Projects. So this Unisum Compressor, it's called a Mastering Compressor. I'm sure it would work great for a number of applications outside of Mastering, specifically at least, you know, on groups in your mix session or even just stereo sources. For me, it's one of those things that, like, I appreciate when a tool gives you options pretty quickly and easily. You can kind of see if you like it this way or this way and sort of A, B, you know, if if the results you're getting here are working or not and quickly switch to something else where, you know, it's like, I'm not a huge fan of just endlessly going through options and finding the one, this tool does this one thing very specifically and it has to work nearly as much at least as just having a few options within a tool and almost all of them are going to be great for different situations. And that's totally what's happening with this compressor. One of the main things that I like about it that's a very quick kind of this way or that way type thing, there's this button on it I doubt I'm going to pronounce this correctly. It's a, I think it's a Danish word, but it's like a hygge or hygge, something like that. It's H-Y-G-G-E. I've seen that on there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, I don't know all the intricate details of, you know, what's going on under the hood when this thing is on or not. But generally speaking, I think it's an analog type thing that just ejects a little bit more flavor, a little more harmonic content. And for me, what I like about it is you can get a different presentation of the mix slightly whenever you hit that button. So you can immediately get like, oh, I like that better. Or no, that's not the right fit. You know, it can round some things off tonally in a a way. So sometimes that really works. Again, similar to the ATR-102, where it's just like, maybe I want this shaped a little bit differently. Not even talking compression as much as just tone. So sometimes that works a lot and sometimes it doesn't, but having that option is really cool. So that's a part of why I like it. And honestly, on the compression side, man, in mastering, at least with this tool, I'm almost never pushing it more than one dB of actual compression which isn't to say that it can't sound good, you know, at higher amounts of compression. I just don't often have a need to do that because you can often start feeling some negative side effects of over compression in a mastering context because you're just moving the whole mix several dB, you know, if you're pushing it that far. So I'm rarely pushing it that much. Um, I may push compression harder, but in a parallel blended in kind of way. And I know some people don't like that, but for me it's fine if it's right for the track and the mix very much case dependent but when it does come to compression with the Unison, I really like to give the mix just a little bit of motion enhancement that's really kind of what I'm looking for when I'm putting on this compressor and really just thinking about compression in general is just enough to help lock in things around typically the beat like the kick and the snare more often than not what it's going to push this thing uh, because they're level wise going to be relatively hot in the mix. Uh, that's pretty common. And so being able to use the attack and release with even just, you know, 0.3 0.5 DB of reduction can just nudge the track a little bit to help it groove a little bit more musically. That's really what I'm looking to do with this is make it a musical dance Where, you know, when I put it on, I want to level match it where I'm not just being fooled. You know, compression is easy to be fooled by if you do a lot of reduction and a lot of gain makeup. But for me, if I'm just bumping out the output, you know, 0.3, 0.5 dB, I can really tell if it's actually enhancing things. If I'm being fooled by, sometimes I have to be careful, like you don't want to close the stereo field in with compression, which can often happen. One of the things that's really cool about this compressor is you can, well, it has a variable link. You can either have it fully linked stereo where both sides will compress the same amount based on something going over the threshold, or you can do any blend of zero to a hundred percent of how linked the left and right compression will be. And so I really like to use that to I mean, honestly, I don't think I've ever used it linked. It's always unlinked for me because it helps retain the stereo feel. And when you're doing a very little bit of compression, you don't have to worry too much about things wandering all that much. It's more so about retaining the stereo field rather than like altering it for me. So I like to use it unlinked. And, you know, there's a handful of features you can actually get really detailed and kind of a nerdy with this thing. If you sort of click this down arrow that opens up a lot of features, fortunately I've used it long enough to find where I like it and just kind of leave it set there. So all I'm really ever playing with is threshold attack release. And then there's this knob, a variable knob. Again, it's like the release style. It's logarithmic to maybe linear probably. And that just kind of shapes the way that it holds on to the compression. It's a little different from release, but it's sort of just the character of how that track flows. If you've got maybe a release time that feels musical, that logarithmic to linear sweep can finesse the way in which it will release, if that makes sense. so Yeah, there's a lot of talk about this thing, but it's just cool because you can get really powerful results that just make it feel really nice. I think that's what I always like is after I've put it on and dialed it in, it helps the music just feel like it's a little bit more flowy, (laughs) I guess. Very cool. Yeah. So there's my long winded talk on the Tone Projects Unisum Mastering Compressor. I love it. And uh, give it a shot, get a demo and play around with it a little bit. You might love it. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of
1: compression, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite compressors for individual tracks. Nice. Yeah. Hit us with it. There are, (laughs) here we go again. There are like two to three compressors I use in a mix. I don't know. I'm like on this kick where I like use 10 plugins in the whole mix. Not just like
0: 10, just 10 different plugins, basically. Right. Not like 10 total in the session.
1: Yeah. It's not a rainbow of colors as far as plugins go. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are a few exceptions where like a track may have 10 completely different plugins on it for a certain weird effect or something. But anyway, mm-hmm. one of my favorites is the new plugin from Mixland called the Rubberband Comp. Mm,
0: that sounds fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, Buddy Jesse Ray came out with it. I think with Keeve Audio. They kind of designed it and then branded it under Mixland, Okay, which is Jesse's company. And Jesse's mixed Doja Cat and all sorts of amazing shit, Burn a Boy. Um, mm-hmm. ridiculously talented engineer. So he came out with a ridiculously amazing plugin, which is basically, I mean, visually, it looks like two hands holding a rubber band. Um, <laughs> the visualization is so trippy and cool. But nice. basically, like, it's got three modes. Short, medium, and long rubber band. I don't know what they do. I just know it's <laughs> got the three modes. It's got a weight button, oversampling, a tilty cue, uh, and that's it. But, like, you throw it on vocals... Like, I normally treat the vocal with a CLA-76 in bluey mode first. Mm-hmm. Classic. Then I'll DS, and then I'll put this one on, and vocals are done. I'm done 90% of the time. Maybe another DSer after that, a little EQ, and maybe another DSer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as compression goes, this is just like, the three modes cover everything. Like, I can put this on parallel drums and like make the drums explode. Mm. I can do very, very light compression with it just to balance things out a little bit it works on a lot of instruments and in some multiple instances in my session but like on vocals i have not gone to anything else on vocals in a long time since this has come out
0: wow cool just
1: it just lives there and the setting there's no setting that i like it just i you go through the three and it's like oh that's the one for the for this vocal hmm just the threshold
0: and then you're done Do you feel like it's different types of compression, like opto, VCA, FET, or? I don't know. I haven't thought
1: about it too much. Yeah. I just basically go, I need one that's very light, and I find the one which is light. Yeah. And it may be something (laughs) different for each track, so I don't know how it behaves. Gotcha. I'm not sure what's going on under the hood. All I know is that it can make your drums explode, and it can smooth out a vocal, and tame a bass, and... Um, that's awesome. Make a guitar fold inside out. That's wild. It's so cool. Wow, and it's cheap. What is it, Thirty bucks, twenty five bucks. Nice. Yeah, super cheap. Um, the tilt EQ is nice too, and the weight button is really great. So it Adds a little bit of um, probably some analog modeling in there mm. to give it some some sort of analog thickness, if that's even a term. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, that's that's probably one of my new favorites. That's There's a really handful cool. I could talk about, but yeah, basically like CLI seventy six and that, and the Arouser from Empherical Labs are the only three ah. compressors I use in the mix. Nice. I try not to do too much unless it's absolutely needed, or unless it needs to explode. Right. There's a lesson
0: right there, kids.
1: <laughs> Automation. That's my favorite plugin.
0: Yeah, Top there you two go. plugins
1: and Pro Tools: fader automation, pan automation.
0: <laughs> For real though, and Clip Gain. So on this compressor, it sounds like it's a very simple layout. Like there's not a whole lot of options or controls. Nope, not a whole lot of options. It kind of it works or it works.
1: That's basically, <laughs> nice. It. It's just depending on the mode and the threshold. Yeah. So variable between those, like. Like, sometimes, like, oop, that's a little too much on the threshold, and then one slightly nudge down, it's, like, perfect. Yeah. Or, like, you're playing around with the modes, and you bury it on one, and it's perfect, and on the other one, it just it's not doing the thing. So, mm-hmm. between three mo- modes and the threshold, it's, like, it's awesome. That's cool. It kind of works on everything.
0: Yeah. So, I would imagine it's able to be transparent, but colored if you want it to be.
1: Yep. Yeah, and then you click in the weight; it could be more colored or or not. So, nice. Yeah, no, it's it's really great, and for the price, it's it's probably one of the best uh, vocal compressors I've ever used.
0: I have to say, Joe, I hear about more plug-in companies and plugins from you than I would ever hear about. Like I've I've never, I don't think <laughs> I've ever even heard of Mixland. It's cool that you know all these different things. I'm like way more simplistic. Just good
1: friends are starting to make plugins. Yeah. Good mix engineers are starting to make plugins and they sound great and they're taking the place of a lot of the other ones because they do a lot more with one plugin. They're tackling Mm -hmm. a lot of different things. I don't know what else is going on under the hood. I've never read the manual, even though he sent it to me Um, (laughs) and just started playing with it and it works. And you want that? I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's fair. One day. Nice. That's it. We could go on forever, I think, but this is a nice bonus episode on our two favorite Two of our favorite plugins.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's, I I almost feel like anything I use is a favorite because it's stood the test over any other options, but those are just some standouts. Yeah, I have like 10 or 12 that
1: are favorites. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) They get used every mix, and then a variable gets thrown in every so often.
0: Yeah, so... I'm sure in the future we'll do more bonus episodes maybe on specific plugins or something I'm looking forward to for sure coming up soon would be a bonus episode just on like a particular style of plugins like and it may end up being relatively short. Like if you're talking about compression, you're like, well, it's the CLA and these rubber bands and good to go. But it'd be fun to maybe do something like here are different tools within a certain umbrella like eqs that over time i've used i like them in this way or you know Mm -hmm. for this element something like that might be fun yeah we'll start diving into some more technical things and yeah if there's uh as always you know if there's thoughts on something specific that you all want to hear let us know great to hear from you it's great to have you all tuning in yeah be sure to tune in in two weeks we're gonna have an episode with a good friend of ours and we'll catch you in two weeks take care everyone Bye.